Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. Today we're speaking with Professor Linda Dennehy, who is Head of School of Health Sciences at the University of Melbourne. Linda recently published a paper in the Australian Journal of General Practice titled, Probably Better Than Any Medication We Can Give You, General Practitioners' Views on Exercise and Nutrition in Cancer. Thank you for joining us, Linda. Thank you very much, Christy, for asking me. I wanted to start by asking you a little bit about your research background. So could you share with us, I suppose, your path into this area of cancer research, as well as where you feel physiotherapists intersect with a cancer patient's journey? Certainly. Although I'm head of School of Health Sciences, my background is as a physiotherapist, and I worked clinically for many years, both in Melbourne and in London. And I worked with acutely ill patients mainly before I came into the University of Melbourne as an academic in physiotherapy. The last 10 years have been mainly management, but I also have quite a few students PhD and postdoc. And this research was actually led by one of my PhD students, Jamie Waterland. My research interests really started as reflecting my clinical questions that I didn't know the answer to when I practiced. And I was mainly worked in intensive care and with patients who had thoracic surgery for cancer. And that's really where my research interests came from. I started working in rehabilitation research of patients in and after intensive care. I also worked in major surgery, so the role of physiotherapy in major surgery in preventing complications, and then moved into rehabilitation in oncology. And one of the reasons for that was that there's really in the last 10 years, there's been an emerging trend for describing and providing exercise for patients with cancer. So I guess across those three areas are my main areas of research interest. I currently also have a joint appointment with Peter Mack in allied health research to try and enhance clinician scientist research in oncology rehab. What was the goal with this study and why is nutrition and exercise so important for cancer patients? So the goal with this study was to report GPs' experiences of providing nutrition and exercise advice to their patients and also to find out from the GP what the barriers and enablers were for them to actually do this. So physiotherapists really intersect at every stage of cancer survivorship. So cancer survivorship is described as having three general phases. There's the active treatment and recovery, living after recovery, and advanced cancer and end of life, each of which presents different exercise and nutrition needs and challenges for patients. And of course, GPs are really important once patients actually leave the care of their oncologist and leave the hospital. So physiotherapists actually intervene across all of those parts of the cancer continuum. 
Physio started working with mainly with cancer patients while they were in the hospital. And most of this was in respiratory management and getting patients up and moving after surgery and while they're in the hospital. As more evidence emerged, though, around the value of exercise and physical activity and diet, physiotherapists' education changed in response to that evidence, and more physiotherapists now are involved in the rehabilitation end of the cancer sort of treatment. So in the public sector, physios see patients before, during, and after cancer treatments in many different tumour streams, for example, in colorectal cancer, in bone marrow transplants, they manage lymphedema after breast cancer surgery, and also involved in multidisciplinary clinics for frail and cachexic patients. They still, of course, manage patients postoperatively and deteriorating patients. In private practices and community health, physios treat specific symptoms and set exercise programs or provide rehab through home visits in their rooms or indeed through telehealth. Exercise physiologists also have an interest in oncology and they have also set up exercise programs in the community. What was your goal with this study and why is nutrition and exercise so important for cancer patients? The aim of our study was to report GPs' experiences of providing nutrition and exercise advice to their patients and also from their perspective to identify any perceived barriers and enablers for allowing them to do this throughout the patient's cancer journey. GPs are very important because they see patients after referral from the oncologist and their acute episodes and treatment. The benefits of exercise, well, for all of us, not just for patients with cancer, (laughs) the benefits for exercise are to stay healthy, to be able to do the things we want to do in the community and at home. And in Australia, that's, you know, mainly walking. There are lots of exercise guidelines now produced by exercise physiologists and by the cancer associations that recommend for all of us, including patients with cancer. So indeed, there's no differences between the exercise guidelines that we should be walking about 30 minutes a day. So about 150 minutes a week, and we should try and do some resistance exercises as well to keep our muscle bulk up. So exercise is really important for people specifically with cancer because it's predominantly a disease of older adults and staying fitter enables their participation just in life generally to be able to do the things they want to do. There's a long list of potential benefits of exercise. Apart from fitness, it improves muscle strength, bone health, and it, of course, helps keep your body weight under control, but that has to be done in in addition to diet. It also, indeed, uh, improves depression and anxiety and just generally helps people to feel better. I'd like to just highlight, though, that there's a difference between physical activity and exercise. So quite often in the general community, they're used interchangeably, but in rehabilitation, we don't use them interchangeably. They're quite different. So physical activity is any activity that you do, walking around the house, vacuuming, walking outside. But exercise is actually a subset of that where it's actually provided as a prescription to do certain things. 
So most of the guidelines have been around improving physical activity, but in rehabilitation, we use physical activity and exercise. I just wanted to make those two things, they're actually quite different to rehabilitation health professionals, although the general community uses them interchangeably. Well, now that you've said that, I've realised I'm definitely a member of the general community because I definitely use them interchangeably. I won't anymore. I wanted to touch briefly back on the start of your answer where you talked about, you know, interviewing GPs. I'm always interested in people's experience with practice-based recruitment, GP recruitment. Did you have any tips or insights from recruiting GPs? Because you recruited both metro-based and rural-based GPs in this study. Yes, we did. We recruited 23. We were trying for 25. So close. (laughs) We're very close. GPs and, and each interview lasted about 20 minutes. We used a variety of strategies, I think, as most people probably do. We used our Department of General Practice links through the Victorian Research and Education Network that they have, and we advertised in their newsletter. I met a a general practitioner at a Department of Health, Cancer and Exercise meeting. Uh, I was on the same table as him and he was really supportive. And so I got in touch with him and he asked several people and he was from the Geelong area. And he also knew another colleague as well. So we used word of mouth. A couple of us also had friends who were GPs in the country. So again, word of mouth. But we also chose some larger practices and we faxed practice managers and that was just cold faxing. So we used all of those ways. But I think, you know, it was the word of mouth that was the most successful. Yeah. Networking. Networking. For myself, get better at networking. So what were the main themes that emerged from your interviews with these GPs? There were four main themes that came out. And the first theme I think, you know, we were very pleased about was that GPs think it's very important to provide advice to their patients about diet and exercise. And I think as the um, the title of the paper, probably better than any medication we can give you, was a quote from one of the GPs. All participants acknowledged that and identified with their role and why it was important for them to do that. So they were important, they were perceived, you know, as important for a general health point of view. The second theme was the influence of the patient agenda needs to be considered. So GPs spoke about how discussing exercise and nutrition was rarely the reason patients attended the GP and how it really needed to be woven into a conversation. They reported talking to people around fad diets and also around being sensitive about prescribing exercise for people with cancer. One of the comments was, that people with cancer quite often can't walk for 30 minutes a day. And certainly a lot of the guidelines recommend that. But the more recent guidelines actually acknowledge that you might need to start with five minutes a day, build that up to 10, 15 and so forth over the course of of weeks. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that it needs to be prescribed at a level that suits that patient. And the GP certainly recognised that. The third theme was the influence of additional training or personal interest of the GP. So the GPs described that there was a lack of GP-specific resources and programs 
and that they needed to read relevant articles. So it depended how interested in this area that they were. But they did think that many of them did comment that they thought it is important as pharmacological treatment and that GPs probably don't do it enough. But the GPs who were really into sport themselves probably did it more and had more confidence in giving the recommendations around exercise. So I think having the resources was a fairly generic comment uh, around the lack of resources that GPs have in this area. So I think that last comment feeds well into my next question, which was around your results highlighting that those GPs may have responded around either a lack of understanding about the experience of allied health clinicians that are working with oncology, in oncology or with oncology patients, and that they'd had limited experience with referrals to these kind of clinicians that are working with cancer patients. How do you think we can overcome this barrier and improve GP awareness and their referrals to allied health professionals or programs that involve them? This is a really, really important question. Um, And I think, you know, it's very important for GPs to know more about this area and know more about health professionals and what they learn, what their background is. We also, we've also published actually in, also in the Australian Journal of General Practice, a review of, of managing patients with lung cancer in the community. And we provided a lot of resources in that publication. And I think the things that, that we really need to do to improve general practice knowledge is to start in the medical programs in our universities and provide more interdisciplinary teaching and learning. It's really meaningful to be on a ward round, for example, where the registrar studied the same physiology and pathophysiology as the physio. That's just an example that happened to me. So, you know, if they they realise that you've done the same physiology that they've done, they know what you understand and, and what you don't understand. So I think starting in, in our universities and our medical programs and, and improving our interdisciplinary teaching would be a good start. Secondly, I think we need more online resources. So there are already some online resources. There's on, on the Australian College of General Practice website, there's a resources called Handy, H-A-N-D-I. And there's resources about exercise on there, but in cardiovascular disease and diabetes, but not for cancer, for example. And I think those resources need to be one page and really succinct so and they and have some links so that if the GP wants to know more, they can, but it really needs to be succinct. And the same from dietitians as well as health professionals who you know manage exercise. I think all of the education, providing online resources and understanding where they can refer people. So both the Australian Physio Association, and the ESSA, which is the Exercise Physiology Association, on their websites have a list of practices and physiotherapists who are interested specifically in oncology. So we need to work to get some of these resources to GPs, I think. And, you know, it's, it's improving the accessibility of care. The other thing we need to do, I think, you know, from a research point of view as well, 
is one of the other things that the GPs found was that there's really poor transition of care from the oncologist to the general practitioner or from the the tertiary hospital into primary care. This is a problem right across cancer. And I think really improving the, the seamlessness of that pathway is something that we need to do. And that will help general practitioners because I know that there was a paper written that their um, referrals from oncologists tell them about 20% of what they really needed to know. And so these sorts of things really need to be fixed up, I think, or be part of some of the research that we can do in the future to try and improve the pathway from tertiary to primary care. But I think education and providing online and very easy to access PDFs, for example, um, around what to do and where to refer to. I think you're spot on there with that last point, Linda, around, you know, the transition of care and communication between different care settings, they're both things that come up very frequently in a lot of research that PC4 does. Last question for today, which is always around kind of the take-home message, what do you think is the most important outcome for our listeners to take away from your paper? Well, obviously the first thing I think is to try and improve the transition of care Um, and that's not something that a, a physiotherapist can necessarily do. It's just a general comment, I think, that came from speaking with the GPs. And that was one of the take home messages. The second was definitely improving knowledge of the education of health professionals, as well as how to access resources on finding them. I think, you know, from a research point of view, we could easily target further education, talks from health professionals, access to advice that's succinct. We can put in grants. I notice there's a a large granting body, the MRFF, has a call out for general practice or primary care. But this is the sort of thing that we could get together with GPs to do and produce uh, in collaboration with the Royal College and GPs more things around to add to their website for patients with cancer related to diet and exercise. There are other resources as well from Cancer Council, but these need to be updated, I think, because there's actually quite a lot of evidence now around right across the continuum of care, even from prevention, that patients or people that exercise have lower risk for cancer, then during treatment and for symptoms, for example, a symptom of fatigue, So cancer-related fatigue is really, really difficult and distressing for patients. And about 50% of our our patients, certainly at Peter Mac, describe that they have cancer-related fatigue because we audited 450 histories, so we know that. And there are different ways of managing fatigue that could be another education package as well as exercise, but exercise specific for fatigue would be really important for GPs as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Linda. This is, a, I think it's a really interesting area for our listeners. So thank you. Thank you very much. I'm really pleased to try and promote the importance of exercise for all of us, but particularly for people who are living with cancer. Thanks, Christy. Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info at pc4tg.com.au 
or keep in touch via Twitter, where you'll find us at PC4TG. And there's also our website, which is pc4tg.com.au.